Bickley and Marotta. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley Blast. Last night, I thought I heard something I've never heard before. I thought I heard the great lawn groan. It happened right before the NFL draft when the Cardinals were penalized for tampering, docked 28 spots in the third round when our fan base once again felt the diss of dysfunction. I mean, really? It's bad enough the team allegedly deployed a burner phone scheme for a bargain rack general manager before a season in which they finished 3 and 13 but tampering for an unproven rookie head coach who had no options, no leverage, and was held in contempt by most of the Philly fan base, that was the worst way to begin a new era of generally managing that I can remember. But to his credit, Monty Fort rallied. He made a solid pick in Paris Johnson Jr., and his maneuvering is receiving really solid reviews all across the NFL. Now, locally, some people recoil at the idea of drafting the O-lineman of Kyler Murray's choosing, thinking it's going to make our polarizing quarterback even more entitled, and I think those people are missing the point, because I do not believe our new GM drafted Johnson because of Murray, but in doing so, he can make it seem like Murray had a voice, that they're listening to him, that they're invested in him, even attending a statue dedication in Oklahoma City in the midst of draft preparation, and in turn, that might make Murray more prone to open his ears and his hearts and actually listen to them. And for my money, that is sound long-term planning, something we haven't seen a lot from the Cardinals in recent years. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends from Chapman BMW who make luxury attainable. They've got two great locations. Check them out online at ChapmanBMW.com. I'm not going to lie. It was it was exciting. Man, it was awesome. I, I had a – that was fun. That was a lot of fun. Um, you know, I, but I'll tell you this. I, I had a lot of help in there. Um, there was uh, – it was it was, in, it was tense there. That the, the clock was winding down there on our third pick when the, when we finally got through – got the deal with Houston worked out um, and I would say uh, you know some guys that I leaned heavily on uh, Dave Sears uh, Charlie Atkins Rob Kissel did an unbelievable job of, of prepping us for uh, the trade scenarios and then even more so when it came time to once we did the trade back um, there was multiple spots to to that we thought we could we could jump and so you know those guys working through trade scenarios and and what one would mean and what the which one was better for us. Um, those guys did a phenomenal job and I couldn't have done it without them. It's Monty Austin for the GM of the Cardinals after uh, the maneuvering of day one of the draft on Thursday that ends up uh, with the Cardinals taking Paris Johnson Jr. with the sixth overall pick and kind of the wonder the excitement in his voice that he's talking about there. You know, the thought that came to mind is like, I've never done it. I'm not a thrill seeker, but Mm -hmm. I've talked to people who have um, maybe been hesitant about things like bungee jumping or skydiving. Exactly. And then when they get done with it, they're like, oh my God, that was awesome. Yeah, I I called it a kid discovering roller coasters for the first time. I I caught the exact same vibe that you did. Exactly. And and I was was exhilarated by it. I, I listened to that reaction and that was different than what I expected. Um, he didn't show any signs of being stressed out by everything that went done, went down. Unlike Sean Miller, his shirt wasn't a sweat stained mess. You ever see that guy, Jarrett? What a puddle that guy is. <laughs> 
And and so and to the contrary, he was just vibing high off the experience, and I like that. That means this guy likes that action. This guy and, and the fact that you know it's he was asked to hey, so was Paris Johnson Jr. your guy all along? He's like, I, no, not necessarily. I was just rolling with it yeah. with each pick. I was rolling what my deals and my options and my scenarios were, and, and I like that a lot. I do. I like that a lot. So I, I, I do think there's a level of competence and professionalism. Uh, aside from the tampering yeah, thing, aside from that little thing, and, and it really sounds ass not even saying this, but in terms of the skill set, and, and maybe that was nothing more than just a rookie mistake. Maybe that was something that fell through the cracks, right? Maybe. You know, like Herm Edwards not knowing that the Sun Devils were like a <laughs> You know, you make mistakes, right? <laughs> first-timers. Hey, I'm Catholic now. <laughs> I'm Catholic now. I don't want to talk about that devil now. <laughs> yeah, if, I mean, if you're a sprinter and you stumble out of the blocks, you're gonna keep. You're gonna fall down. Or you're gonna keep running. He kept running last yeah, night. Yeah, right. Uh, That's re- true. Rebounded right. nicely. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Uh, Monty Austin Ford talked about what stood out uh, about Paris Johnson him off the field. A lot of things. I mean, high, fo- high, high football character. Um, highly intelligent, well spoken, uh, mature, dependable. Um, and you can tell that he's made of the right things, the things that we want not only our offensive linemen to be made of, but but our entire team. So, um, you know, to be able to add, add a player that is both high football character and has a lot of ability on the field, that's, uh, that's, that's a big step for us as a, as a program moving forward. And going back to something that you said in the blast, too, and I know a lot of people are struggling with this because of the current state of the Arizona Cardinals with their quarterback, Kyler Murray, and the situation that he's in right now. And the people that are getting turned off by... I don't think this was solely a, oh, well, Kyler wants him, we're going to no, do this. It wasn't no. that at all. Some people will boil it down no. to something as simplistic as that. But what, after... <laughs> We talked about it earlier in the week when the Cardinals brass went to Norman, Oklahoma last week and supported Kyler Murray getting a statue at Oklahoma Spring Day for winning a Heisman there. That was a positive move. And we're coming off like three plus years of this strange, we love him, but we do we love him kind of attitude from the Cardinals front office to the guy they picked number one overall. There's nothing wrong with appeasing the quarterback you've identified in the now. I'm not saying this is a 12-year a, a solution for the Cardinals, but in the now, he's your guy. So yeah. why not appease him? Well, no. And I said this yesterday, no. too. If the Cardinals draft Paris Johnson Jr., it's not going to be the sexiest pick because people don't focus on offensive line. But you know what is sexy? Protecting a quarterback who can win you football games. That is yeah. sexy. Yeah, listen, and so, so to me, I think that that's just an added bonus and an added benefit that they can use to their advantage. They can they can package that in conversations with Kyler to engage him on a higher level. There's nothing wrong with that. Nobody, uh, really, I, they, if, if the Cardinals capitulated to Kyler Murray, then, then all hope is lost. You don't want a general manager leaning on players, just like you don't want Michael Bidwell asking Cliff Kingsbury, so who do you want us to take right here? Okay, so so this is the general manager's domain, that and this is why the hierarchy was so jacked up for the last few years around here. There was no, all the lines were blurred about who was supposed to do what. Everybody was in everybody else's business, and, and in this case, I, I I don't think for a second that Kyler Murray influenced Monty Austin Fortin to drafting somebody he didn't want to draft. But you can use it to further engage a quarterback who who needs to grow up and is growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, now you know we couldn't do a full draft show 
the day after the first round without Steve Kime's name coming up a lot. Steve Kime transitioned from general manager to media member yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to hear what he said on the Cardinals? Not draft? really, but go ahead. <laughs> Here's uh, He did the national Fox Sports radio draft show with Jay Glazer and LeVar Arrington. Here's uh, Steve Kime on the Cardinal selection. Yeah, and again, as he was the number one recruit coming out at that position, the top tackle in this draft, and guy that I know that is a complete player, and not only is he a complete player, he checks all the boxes when he comes in the room, excites the room, lights it up, very mature, well-spoken. This guy's got it all, and I think the Cardinals made a great decision here. Certainly that little quarterback is awfully happy now, smiling ear to ear. <laughs> and again, so so again, do you really need to call him that, that little, little quarterback? quarterback? Yeah. So, so once again, this this to me is I, I, I'm, I'm very uncomfortable. I, I felt the same way when I saw Herm Edwards on ESPN, like six minutes after he was fired at ASU. <laughs> yeah. He had just taken off. You know what I mean? This is not up. a laughing matter. What he did to this roster is not a laughing matter. If you care about this team and its place and you invest in it, it's not a joke. Telling anecdotes about how Nick Bosa came up to, oh, you're going to draft that little guy, aren't you? It's, it's, not, it's not funny to me. It's tacky to me. Right. And also, you did draft that you drafted little him. guy. Yeah. So why are you and, making fun of him now? Well, and, and the thing is, too, it's like after he told that anecdote about the Nick Bosa and, oh, that you're going to draft that little guy, aren't you? Dan Patrick basically asked him, you got any regrets? He's like, oh, no, that guy got me a contract extension. Oh, so it was all about you all along. And, kind of what I suspected. And he said Nick Bosa would have got him fired. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of what I suspected. Everything for for the last couple of years with him, it was CYA. Yes. Let's do what we can to keep our jobs, and and who cares about the future? But I, I'm sorry, I, I'm going to get I'm going to get really really angry here, and we don't need to do this right no, now. No, but it goes back to what I said too about this weird stance that the Cardinals had for the past few years on appeasing Kyler Murray or bashing him behind the scenes. Thank and, you, and loving him up publicly. Thank you. Uh, if you can do, if you can kill two birds with one stone, and that is a get the best offensive lineman in the draft. You check that box. And, oh, by the way, it makes your quarterback real happy. That's a win-win. There hasn't been many of those in recent Cardinals history. That's, yeah. that's why yesterday you ever was have, a success to You ever me. have people, I'm sure people have had this, you ever have people tell you to the face how much they dig you and like you, and then you find out they rip you to shreds behind your back? Yes. Those people are the worst. Phonies. Those people are the worst. We all know them. Oh, yeah. I could name a few right now. Do it. No, I'm not me. I love everyone. I'm going down a rabbit hole here. I'm going to charge. I'm starting to get ticked. Yeah, Yeah. don't say the names. Just write them down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then we'll take a photo and we'll tweet it. Actually, I think I know who you're talking about. Contribute to our Patreon. Yeah, you do. You know one of them. That's for sure. I'm popping into the studio in this break. Uh, you can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. I want to remind you, too, you can also score the hottest tickets in town. Suns playoff tickets, just text ticket to 620-620. Register and then listen for your name starting next Wednesday during the 7 a.m., noon and 5 o'clock hours for your chance to qualify for tickets to see the Suns take on the Denver Nuggets. That's ticket to 620-620. Coming up next, we'll get a closer look at the Nuggets. That series begins tomorrow in the Mile High City. We'll be joined by Nuggets sideline reporter Katie Wingy. Straight ahead, it's Pickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. 
Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Bickley and Murata talk Suns Nuggets now. At long last, round two of the Western Conference playoffs gets underway tomorrow in Denver. Nuggets hosting the Suns for game one at Ball Arena here to give us a look at the Nuggets. Sideline reporter, analyst Katie Wingy joins us here on the Arizona Sports Line. Katie, thanks so much for making some time for us today. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on, fellas. It's great to chat with you. Yeah, we're uh, one of the things I find interesting going into this series is kind of the similarities between last year's Suns and this year's Nuggets, and I mean that in terms of going in as the number one seed. This is the fifth straight year the Nuggets have been in the playoffs. Nikola Jokic, two-time defending MVP. Michael Malone has been entrenched as their head coach for a while. How can you sum up maybe the pressure uh, the, the the Nuggets could be feeling going into this series? Yeah, to be honest with you, when we've asked them about this, they are very keen on saying they don't feel pressure. They have mentioned already that they know the Suns are the odds-on favorites to come out of the Western Conference. They've talked about them getting KD and what that means in this league and just how much of a presence he can be and how much he's contributed already to this Phoenix team. So in their mind, it almost feels like they're trying to set the stage like, okay, there's not pressure on us. If we play our style of basketball, compete at the highest of levels, at least we'll know that we've done that. And, and so for them, it's much more about what can we do to put ourselves in a position to make this series competitive, to make sure that we're the best that we can be against an offensive powerhouse that is the Phoenix Suns. I'm curious about this because there is an inherent pressure with opening the series at home at being the number one seed. But how how do you think the Nuggets are playing right now? Because in talking to people, there's a fe- there's a fear at least from the Denver side that 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 they're not quite at the level they were a couple of months ago. Your thoughts on their uh, just their state of play at the moment? Yeah, that's funny that you use the word fear because I think Nuggets fans are like scared of potential in the situation. So they're almost like waiting for the shoe to drop. But this Nuggets team, it's no secret they have not played their best basketball post-All-Star. I will say that the way that they came out in game one against the Minnesota Timberwolves when they just crushed them at home and set the tone for the playoffs in that regard, that was a very reassuring performance and the Nuggets were so disciplined they came out and everybody executed their role to their the best of their ability and so I think that helped in a lot of ways in terms of like okay we weren't sure what we were going to get there were some health issues that different guys were out at different times I mean you look at even the last two games against Phoenix that the Nuggets played they didn't really play any other guys and so mm-hmm. Playing all their guys in that first series against Minnesota, particularly the first couple games, that gave us a sense of like, okay, this team can just flip a switch in a lot of ways. This team can show up and is ready for real playoff basketball. So I'm, I'm eager to see what team shows up in game one uh, tomorrow uh, against Phoenix because there were some lulls in the series against Minnesota, which, of course, that's human nature. But the way that they came out and really set the tone from the beginning, that's what I think a lot of people are holding their hat on. Katie Wynn. She covers the Nuggets for Altitude TV, our guest here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. The Suns are coming out of a series, Katie, where the Clippers threw everything at them defensively, switching up their looks, switching up their personnel and, and, and matchups, and none of it really worked to slow down Devin Booker and, and Kevin Durant. I mean, going into this, and I'm, and I'm sure we'll see some different looks from the Nuggets, too, but how do you expect them initially to kind of combat what, what's going on with, with Booker and Durant right now? You're going to see a lot of different looks, and that's something that Coach Malone has talked about. It's something that Bruce Brown and Aaron Gordon talked about yesterday. 
And they recognize the greatness that is KD and Book. They're like, we're never going to stop them from doing what they're doing, but can we make it really tough on them all night long? Can we give them a bunch of different looks to avoid them getting in a really solid rhythm? I think you're going to see different players on those guys at different times. I think you're going to see different coverages on those guys at different times. And so by throwing basically the kitchen sink at those two guys, there's a hope that they won't be able to – completely find themselves for the full 48 minutes of that game. Like I said, there's with KD and with Book, they're, they're going to get to their spots. They're going to find ways to score. Then in transition in particular, like can the Nuggets take care of the basketball in a way that avoids at least allowing KD and Book to get easy buckets? Everything is going to try and be the, the toughest it can possibly be. I think we'll see KCP on both those guys. I think we'll see AG on both of those guys. It's, it's going to be Let's throw everything at them and see what sticks and see what works. And that will be a, a, re- a revolving door throughout this series. All right. The last time these two teams met in the playoffs, Suns fans actually overtook your arena. It, it birthed the infamous <laughs> Suns and four guy who I believe is 15 minutes has officially expired. Is, is the environment going to be more hostile? Is the crowd more engaged in Denver? I know it's a great football team, or at least it used to be until Russell Wilson showed up. Sorry, that's a cheap shot. <laughs> but, but in terms you're just throwing all the. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm burning hot this morning, Katie. All right. So, so in the, in the case though of just how hostile is the environment going to be uh, in the first two games? Look, this is a completely different Nuggets team than than what we saw. We have Jamal Murray back. They added some really key players in Contavious Caldwell-Pope and Bruce Brown. I think Jokic is in a better place because he has a better supporting cast. Michael Porter Jr. didn't really play in that series, so. The Nuggets fans are very excited to see a healthy roster compete with a really talented, star-studded Phoenix Suns team. Um, a, a lot of people in Denver really think that this is the year. The, the, they haven't seen the ceiling for this Nuggets team yet, and, and everybody has been waiting to see this roster perform, given they haven't been healthy the past couple years. Completely different atmosphere, I'm expecting. Much more hostile, much less uh, Phoenix Suns presence, I would imagine, in Ball Arena. And if there is that presence, I think that there will be um, – it'll be really quick to put a hush over those fans in the Denver crowd. So we'll see what happens. I just think that there's this newfound energy around this team because it's the roster that everybody has been waiting so long to see constructed, put together. And now they are going to really be tested in a big way against some of the best in the NBA. Katie Wenji, uh, Nuggets reporter for Altitude TV, joining us here on the Arizona Sports Line. I'd love to get your thoughts on this because going into this series, look, there's no secrets. Jokic and Murray, dynamic duo. Booker and Durant, mm-hmm. dynamic duo. Who do you have kind of pinpointed as X factors on both sides uh, of this series going in? I think that's an interesting uh, debate. Honestly, one of my biggest X factors is just the bench play, like those non-Jokic minutes and when not all five starters are in and on the floor. I feel like that's an an area that Denver hadn't been great in all season long, but they've been running with this kind of new rotation of having Aaron Gordon as the backup center um, and keeping two starters on the floor, going a little bit smaller off the bench, and it's been working really well for them. So, I mean, seeing Bruce Brown continue to put up big numbers he plays his best basketball in the playoffs. Jeff Green has had some good minutes sporadically. I mean, they're playing rookie Christian Brown at times, and he's come in and made a big impact. So I think the depth of the Nuggets 
is going to be a key factor, in my opinion, coming in and really making the most of the times when some of the best players on the Phoenix roster are resting. I also think Michael Porter Jr. and the way that he can make shots, it's going to be really, really important in terms of being able to allow Denver's offense to be as spaced as possible. Being able to find him and get him going early on in this series, make sure his confidence is high. He's he's one of the most clutch players in the first round of the playoffs. The way that he could just, you know, get eight points here or ten points there, particularly in the fourth quarters and close games. And so I think him having um, the confidence that he needs to have to step in and knock down shots, especially against a really good Phoenix team. It's, I mean, these are the favorites to win an NBA championship. And so for him to be able to continue playing the way that he played in that first round against the Minnesota Timberwolves, it could be really impactful for Denver. He also proved that he can be more than just a three-point shooter. He was getting offensive rebounds, was attacking the paint, scoring inside. So can his game continue to evolve and can he continue to be consistent? That'll be big. All right, lastly, wasn't that long ago, it seemed in our basketball universe, there was an argument. Who has the best young player? Is it Jamal Murray? Is it Devin Booker? Is it Donovan Mitchell? It seems like Devin Booker surged ahead. Donovan Mitchell is in the East. Is any of this, do you believe, on Jamal Murray's radar screen that this is his opportunity to kind of seize that spotlight, if you will? I don't think that conversation in particular is on his radar. But Jamal Murray has a lot to prove in the playoffs. And I don't mean that in a way that people are doubting him. I mean that in a way of like, this is the biggest stage and I'm a competitor and I want to perform at the the greatest of levels here. And so there's a, there's a very real difference between regular season Jamal Murray and playoff Jamal Murray. And I think it's purely just from a, I can take over a game at any time um, mode. And so I don't think he's necessarily looking at this as I I need to prove myself. I think he's looking at it as, wow, this is a really great challenge for me. And for some reason he has played really well against the Phoenix Suns in his career. He loves playing in Phoenix. He loves playing against the Suns. Him and book have had some really great games against each other uh, through the years. And so I'm excited to see the way that he comes out and what he can do. And he's excited for it too. He's a, he, anytime he's underestimated, anytime he's overlooked, that's when he really gets in his bag. And so I think we're going to see that from Jamal in this series. I don't think it's so much of a personal battle between him and Devin Booker. I think it's more so of like, I want my team to win. And I know my team is, is underdog in this situation in a lot of ways. So how can I come out and, and show what I can do on the biggest stage? Well, it should be a fun one, Katie. Thanks Thank so you, much Katie. for uh, giving appreciate the Denver it. perspective. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, guys. Have a great day. Looking forward to tomorrow. Katie Wenge, Denver Nuggets sideline reporter and analyst, joining us on the Arizona Sports Line, previewing Game 1 in that series between the Nuggets and Suns, which does get underway tomorrow. Coming up next, to the surprise of some, DeAndre Hopkins, still an Arizona Cardinal this morning. How much longer will that be the case? We'll get into the possibilities next. Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The local sports leader. You know, I I don't I don't foresee that happening. Um, you know, I I don't know what is going to happen here in the next couple of days. Um, right now, I don't foresee I don't foresee that happening. Yeah, no. that's Monty Austin for GM of the Cardinals last night. What he was talking about there possible DeAndre Hopkins trade. We know it's out there. We know it, it, there hasn't been a formal request. There hasn't been any no. social media demands from DeAndre Hopkins, but he's been very, very open to moving elsewhere. It's been pretty obvious for quite some time. Monty Austin Ford also punctuated that by saying this. Absolutely. DeAndre's a cardinal. So DeAndre's a cardinal and um, we're moving forward. 
Okay. He's yeah. a cardinal. Does yes. that continue throughout the weekend? He says he doesn't foresee a trade, but you never know with now the first round in the rear view what GM is going to come calling, whether yeah. it's somebody from Buffalo or somebody from Baltimore that wants to add to their, their arsenal of receivers, and, and maybe it becomes more of a possibility on day two or day three. Well, I'm I'm really happy about this development because I, I really do think that there's a natural temptation to cut your losses because nobody would blame Monty Austin for, it, for that. He didn't inherit this. He's not responsible for DeAndre Hopkins. He's responsible for a new culture and a new team. Um, but I, the fact that he recognizes the value and is not going to allow this system to steal DeAndre Hopkins, I, I'm here for it. I, I, I really am. And I, and I hope it works. But I think the message here is there was inherent pressure um, to get the deal done going into today or whatever, because this is the, the realm that conventional people thought the return for D-Hop would be. And, and I think that for Monty Ossenfort to kind of take the for sale sign out of the window, he's just basically saying, no, if, you, if, if I don't get a first round pick or if I don't get a second and something, then you're not having them. We'll keep them and we'll deal with what comes next. We'll call DeAndre Hopkins bluff. He's under contract for two years. So does D-Hop, who already has a very sketch reputation over what's gone down here the last couple of years, who desperately wants to rehab that reputation and get into the Hall of Fame? So what's he going to do now? Sit out? Is that what he's going to do? Sit out on the heels of a six-game PED suspension? Is that what you're going to do? You're going you're gonna to take all that money from the Cardinals, um, manipulate it so you don't practice on Wednesdays, quit on your team in the last two games last year when you could have played but you didn't because you're protecting yourself. Uh, okay, what's your move? What are you going to do here? A- and listen, I, I'm, I am... All in on turning the page from DeAndre Hopkins with all due respect to his blinding game day talent. The rest of the stuff, you can have it. I I think it's counterproductive. I think it tears apart a team. And I want my next Cardinals team to actually enjoy practicing. I want them to practice with intensity and speed and try to replicate, replicate game days as much as possible. I don't want any more of this garbage preparation for Sunday based on who's available. And so so I want him gone, but I want him gone on the Cardinals' terms because they've invested in him. They've paid him, and what DeAndre Hopkins has given them back in return is insufficient. So he doesn't get to call his shots on the way out. I'm sorry. If the Cardinals' terms are not met this weekend, then how do you proceed? Trade him later. Trade him later. I mean, the possibility would remain, too, that he would just be cut, which I don't think would be... I, I, I wouldn't do that. There's pluses and minuses to it. There's a lot more minuses there. When you have a, a, a player of that quality, you got to get something for him. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious to see. And there was a lot of speculation yesterday, Bick, when the news of the Lamar Jackson deal in Baltimore broke. That, hey, now they've already added Odell Beckham Jr. You got Bateman there. They added Zay Flowers in the draft last night in the first round. But there's some speculation that maybe they'd really want to make a splash and go after DeAndre Hopkins. I don't know if that's necessarily the case. I mean, Buffalo has has seemed like a logical landing spot through all of this smoke and all of these rumors. I don't know how their mindset has changed. They added another catch uh, passing uh Pass catching uh, threat last night in Dalton mm-hmm. Kincaid, the, the tight end slash receiver from Utah. So I don't know what their need is right now. Uh, I do agree with you on, on you know principle though, and it is the principle of the Cardinals. Don't don't just get rid of the guy to get rid of the guy. Mm-hmm. You got to get something for him. Mm-hmm. And 
with the first round in the rear view, I'm I'm, I'm curious to see well, if, the, if the phone starts ringing. I I fully expect not necessarily on the Hopkins front, but I fully expect more wheeling and dealing from Monty Osenfort today and tomorrow. Oh yeah, he even said as much coming into this. He he even said the number thirty three pick. He thinks he's going to get a lot of phone calls on this. So and again, I, I like this vibe. I like this idea of staying so in the moment that every pick of every round is up for negotiation. And and if you can create a scenario of trading down and make sense, then deal with it and, and adjust and create different scenarios. I like the way Monty talked about how, you know, after after C.J. Stroud was taken at number two from the Texans, uh, their, their, their parameters suddenly changed. Their partners, potential trade partners changed. So it was a different set of phone calls and conversations. The ability to think and, and not panic on your feet, I, I, I think he gets high marks for that. And I really, really like the strategy he's taken with DeAndre Hopkins. Maybe it'll blow up. Maybe it'll be stupid what he's doing. But I like it. I really do because I think I think there's a belief across the league that these guys are easy marks that they don't know what they're doing. I think that tampering charge preceding the draft didn't help matters at all. I think Monty I think Monty Osenfort rallied very well. In fact, Pro Football Focus declared three winners last night from the draft. Three winners. The Eagles, the Cardinals, and I'm flaking on the third. <laughs> I knew when you repeated three winners a couple you know, times. I was, you were trying I was to. Yeah, 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 I've stalling. done that before. I've done that move no, before. You're, yeah. <laughs> Boy, Jared, you have the Eagles, really, the Texans, you, maybe. You have been really sharp the last two weeks, Jared. I don't know what's gotten into you. It must be with some fiber in your diet. Yeah. Maybe I'm, not, the, I'm not getting downwind from still you. Glowing from the free pizza. <laughs> it's the free <laughs> maybe, pizza. Maybe the Texans. I'll find As a out. winner, I'll find out. I'll find out. So, so again, I, I just I endorse this strategy because he's giving he's giving off vibes that no, they either come correct or just keep walking. And, and well, they can play this game. They, they're not in the business of winning this coming season. So you can trade him into the season if you want. You can trade him anywhere up to next year's trade deadline. And if he squawks and he makes noise, and if you have to Jay Crowder him and put him off on the sidelines, whatever. There will come a time when somebody will pay a premium for DeAndre Hopkins. Unfortunately, now is not that time. Maybe that's a possibility. Monty Ford trades Hopkins to the Milwaukee Bucks. <laughs> now we're talking. Now we're talking. DeAndre Hopkins. Where he's a DNP for game. Yeah, right. DeAndre Hopkins would have made more of an impact on that series than Jake mm-hmm. Crowder did. did you okay, here we go. Focus. The yes, I did. I just found it. Thank you, Sarah. Do I got I, you. Yeah, no, go ahead. You you did the, the research. The Seahawks. That's it. The Jack Seahawks. Campbell and the Eagles. That's it. That's it. So there you go. Uh, Paris Johnson Jr., new draft pick of the Arizona Cardinals. And we're giving you the chance to be the first to own his new jersey and the new Cardinals threads. Just text the word draft to 620 620 for your chance to win a Paris Johnson Jr. Cardinals jersey. That's draft to 620 620. Coming up next, I don't think Will Levis expected to spend his entire evening in the green room last night. That <laughs> and more from the first round of the NFL draft. Straight ahead, it's Pickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings. You look at the 23 interceptions the last two years, that's only two guys that were worse than him, and they both had three, at least 300 pass attempts in uh, Aiden O'Connell and Sam Hartman. So the percentage of turnovers was a big problem. I think inside the pocket, the biggest thing studying tape was inside the pocket when he was bottled up a little bit and pressure started to come. I don't think he trusted his eyes, and he didn't quite see the whole field. That was a big issue. He came off as kind of not having ideal personality and maybe some, some arrogance 
and some cockiness in his meetings. That's a team-by-team basis. But ultimately, the turnovers and the style of play, too, is an issue because he plays a quarterback position like a linebacker, and we saw the toll it took on his body this past year. A lot of teams I talked to are worried that he's going to be a Carson Wentz case when it's all said and done if he doesn't learn how to protect his body better. It's Todd McShay from ESPN on why Will Levis did not get drafted in the first round. Don't you love how all these, like, a, a one-minute thing about all the things wrong with him come out now <laughs> when they just spent two months telling us yeah. why he's going to go, like, uh-huh. in the top five? Listen, uh, uh I've got no investment in Will Levis, but watching that kid, he's never going to forget the embarrassment and the shame he felt last night. That is so... I just I would I would hope as a network as a league at some point in time when you realize uh oh this kid might not go at all that you stop the drama shots you stop focusing in yeah, because on his agony three, and his pain there was three other guys in that green room that yeah did not get drafted last yeah. night either Keon White Joey Porter Jr Brian Branch also not drafted of course Will Levis being one of the most talked about players and at a premier position at quarterback he was the focus. It didn't help that he had like beautiful women around him all night either. It didn't hurt actually. Um, but yeah, Todd McShay, he said you know it took a toll on his body the way he plays the uh, the quarterback position. But now we're also hearing about maybe some teams were scared off by a toe injury. I mean, toe injuries heal. How scared, yeah. how scared could you be? I feel like you though. Imagine you're Will Levis and or any of these players that were in the green room all night. You get the invite. They don't invite that many players to the green room. You're like, oh, wow, I'm going to be a first-round pick. And the famous example was back in you know, 05 when Aaron Rodgers was maybe going number one and fell to 24. It was painful to watch. It but was, he got picked. He did. This It was really, really painful Yes, to it was. It really was. Geno Smith was in that camp at it one was. point, too. It was. And and it's just, it's so humiliating for a guy who thinks it's going to be his crowning triumph and he's surrounded by his family and his girlfriend and, and you think it's his time to kind of flex a little bit and now he's just sitting there and looking at his phone trying to act like he's staying chill and you can just see that it's... I, I just, that was just hard to watch after a while. Yeah, so three quarterbacks taken in the first round, three of the first four picks, which uh, was a surprise to ESPN's Mike Tannenbaum. I think what's shocking, guys, is if once the f- fourth pick was turned in, it was Anthony Richardson, we saw three quarterbacks go in the top four. I don't think any of us would have sat here and said, oh, we're done for the night with quarterbacks. It's really remarkable. So to me, that was certainly the headline. Um, I thought we would have seen at least four in all. I thought we'd see five. So Hendon Hooker and Will Levis, more to come. Two productive SEC quarterbacks that are still available. And I think somebody's going to get Will Levis at the top of the second round and be pretty happy about it when it's all said and done. I, I don't even know if he's going to be the next quarterback taken. You think Hooker goes first? <laughs> if yes, I, I think I would not be surprised. I put put it this way: if I had a football team and now we're out of the first round, that's where I would go. Well, but, but again, that's just me. And, well, in real time, what was your reaction at four when Indianapolis took Richardson? I I was I was surprised, and then I was mad at myself for being surprised because I bought into what I was hearing about this great cultural fit. This is exactly the kind of guy the Colts want. When Anthony Richardson's measurables are just insane. So I mean, if you were going to take a chance on a guy, you take a chance on Anthony Richardson, not Will Levis, in my opinion. And and I was kind of mad at myself for falling prey to the, oh, I know what they're going to do. I know who they want. Mm-hmm. So that was my reaction to it. Now, Anthony Richardson, he's, he's, he's a couple years away, man, um, um, unless, you know, 
unless it all just locks in for him magically. I mean, and that could happen. It, it could. I think it's doubtful. Yeah. There's so much rawness there, and, and that's what made him an intriguing pick at number four for a team that's seek. I mean, a team that has had just a carousel of quarterbacks every single year. They want somebody long term, but I don't think this that that term starts this year for yeah. them. And yet, it's halfway and yet the sometimes season. guys like this come into the NFL and they do really good at the very start because they don't know what they don't know, and as soon as they realize, wow, there's this whole other world out here that I've got to master, that's when the regression comes. I don't know. I, it's, it, 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 I'm not surprised that three went in the top four. I, I, I think that this it makes a lot of sense to me. I, I always was skeptical of that Will Levis rise, but it became so pervasive that I thought, okay, there must be something to this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can I just give you a general thought on the draft? And I sure. feel this every year, and I sure. want to hear all of your thoughts on this. I get so uncomfortable watching Roger Goodell's interactions with these guys oh, after they drafted. It mm-hmm. is so unnatural looking. Mm-hmm. Does anybody else feel that way? Yeah, stay tuned for 9.30. It's like, no, 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 no. I don't, I don't, I don't want to steal your thunder. Yeah. I didn't know that was it's, not on the agenda It's like, today. it's so embarrassing. It's almost like when when professional golfers attempt to high-five each other and they barely touch <laughs> pinkies. They high-five the, right. they do the move. Golfers always, when they high-five their, cat or, their caddy, they high-five and they grab their hand. And they don't know what they're doing. And uh. it's like this weird dance. And they look at each other like, what do we do now? I don't know. It's okay, Tom Cruise and Oprah on the couch is where he (laughs) grasps onto her hands. Why do they insist on having the commissioner host these things? What if the president of the academy hosted the Oscars every year? Nobody would watch. Like, why why not have like an actual, like, how is this not, this has evolved into such a show. Why hasn't it evolved into having like an entertaining person host it? That is a great question. It really is. I guess somebody with rhinestone loafers. I guess Raj has to justify his $65 million annual salary. He can come out just like the president of the Academy does. He can come out and give like a 30 second speech that everybody gets bored by. What what what, it, what the thing is, the, the thing that bothers me and the thing that, that bothers players is that these young kids do not know how despised inside the game Roger Goodell is. Or how, maybe that's the wrong word, yeah. how, how mistrusted he is. Absolutely, because he's a show for the owners and that's usually the last positive interaction Roger Goodell has with any of I'm not working for My you guys. for Vince Morata, ladies and gentlemen. Like the to drop it, but it's it's stuck. Stuck. arms. When yeah. the when the pick is drafted, the owner of each team should come up on the stage and shake Roger Goodell's hand. Do you think that's going to be any spicier? <laughs> that, now that would be oh, funny to have the owners come up yeah. and do bro hugs and weird stuff. Jared, all I can say is be careful what you ask for. Do you want three more hours of Rob Riggle every year? <laughs> they could oh maybe do better. You know, I got a I I'm got done. a nominee. The Make-A-Wish kid, that Kyle Stickles kid who announced the Jets pick, make Aww. him the host next yeah. year. Yeah, that, that kid was, was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I could not imagine being that age on that stage and holding it together. No. There's no freaking way that would happen. But good, good on him. Yeah, he had, he had more, much more charisma than... Who do you think these these players would rather hug? Roger Goodell or The Rock? <laughs> yeah, The Rock or Kevin Hart or something. I don't know. They've Pick put The up. Rock out to welcome everybody to the Super Bowl a couple times, and that's been pretty. Oh, awkward. Yeah, I know that very well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, coming up next, we'll hit the nine o'clock hour on social media with some social studies. Sarah Let's go. Takes us through next. Pickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.